Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. Thanks for joining us for episode five of OCR Talk. We got a whole slew of things to cover and races and different events and just all kinds of news and just fun stuff to talk about. But first, let's get into our just kind of get to know us questions. Uh, how was your last races over the past couple weekends? So the last couple weekends, I've had just road races and trail races, a lot of it just running and trying to get time on my feet. The first few half marathons, the last one I did at the end of the month, I PR'd my half marathon. So I got, I came in under two hours, which it was 159.28, but it's still under two hours. And then I went to a trail race here in Lafayette that Walker Higgins put on with Woad uh, Racing Company. And he did a trail run in Lafayette at Acadiana Park. And I did the 12-miler option. So it was four loops of a three-mile course. And I won for the women in that. Awesome. And, yeah, so um, at that charity 5K that we did this past weekend, I came away with third overall female and first in my age group. And I PR'd my 5K. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you've really been putting in the work, huh? Yeah. So, yeah, the the hard work's definitely been paying off. Sometimes I get frustrated and, you know, feel like I'm not getting anywhere. But I'm definitely starting to see some results. Uh, I've seen a lot of events for that Woe Racing. Can you tell me a little bit about their... It's just trail races, right? Yeah, it's trail races. And Walker Higgins is the guy that puts them on. And he has... The Woe Race Series, which is a series of six or 12 mile races that he puts on. And it's um, a series of six races, I believe. 
and you have to participate in at least four of them. You do all of the races and then wherever you finish, that's how you that's like where you finish for the series. So like if you if you pretty much sweep all the races, then you win first in the series. Kind of like the Spartan Championship series. Yeah, kind of. And a lot of it is local, so it's either trails here in Louisiana or um, he has a race at Clark Creek. I think that's in Mississippi. So it's it's mainly just trail races, but he he definitely knows how to lay out a course because <laughs> he will find whatever technical terrain the land has to offer, and he'll include that as part of the course. All his races are are so much fun, and it's a smaller race too, so the finish line festival is just kind of everybody just hanging out, some people camp at some of the sites, barbecue, whatever, and it's just super laid back and really just family-oriented and just everybody just having a good time. So I did a terrain race, you know, two weekends ago, and I know last year they had both 5k and 10k options and in the competitive heats and this year they only had a 5k option which was interesting but understandable to only have one competitive heat so that was it was a good time they got a couple of new obstacles this year Uh, one of them was like a three slanted walls like think tip of the spear with the balance beams in between uh, from battle frog but the plywood was just one four by eight sheet standing up so you had that with a couple of grips on it and in between there was a balance beam in between the second and last one but in between the first and the third one was actually some hanging pegs not that you had to move the pegs but just to grab onto and then you, so you kind of hang and swing from those so that was a pretty pretty neat one and they had a pretty competitive uh a pretty challenging rig Their rigs are usually pretty good, but this is probably the most complex one that I've seen. I think they've gotten maybe some grips from, like, the Force 5 rig stuff. The neat thing about it was they actually had an easy lane, a competitive lane, and then a challenge lane. So, of course, if you're in a competitive heat, you actually had to do at least, you know, the middle lane. But then they had another lane on the end that was even harder. I chose to use that one just because it didn't, it wasn't crazy hard, but it was definitely had some grips in it that were a little tougher than the middle lane. But I thought that was cool that they had competitive as well as an extra challenge, <laughs> even if you want that. <laughs> that sounds cool. I like that they combine it all into one rig because, I mean, if people are doing multiple laps, you could try a different lane every lap. <laughs> yep, that's true. And they do offer multiple laps as well. So it was like different grips to a pipe traverse, and then they had a Skull Valley style thing where it was a board, and then on each side of the board were rock holds. So you kind of swing overhand. You had to do it kind of overhand because they were on both sides, and you had to use both sides. You couldn't just go mm-hmm. sideways. So that was a good time, and while I was out there, I actually got to try out my new Merrill All Out Crush shoes, and I got to say, I, I really like them a lot. Like, I was really into the Reebok All-Terrain series kind of when I first started OCR and stuck with those for a couple of years and they just kept falling <laughs> apart same way most everybody's that had those yeah. shoes <laughs> they get the holes in the exact same spots like every single time and so I went to the All-Out Crush whenever those came out have been loving those and they've got a few drawbacks but 
for the most part, they were really good. But these new ones, they I feel like they're lighter than the other ones. The Tough Mudder branded ones, they've got the lacing system with the little crank on it. That thing handled the mud, I think, really well. While it felt like the crank, like after the race, was a little gritty, after I took them home and rinsed them out, I just made sure I ran water through it and cranked that thing to get all the grit out of it and feel like they're just back to normal now. So I think they really handled the, the water and the mud well without falling apart or, or just seizing up. And one of the best things that it's a kind of a funny thing that the other shoes had was the sand would get into the pocket in between basically the mesh where the water was able to drain and the front of the shoe. So it really would kind of build up right there. That didn't happen with these shoes at all. Like I felt like there was no buildup of any kind of grit or anything in the inside of the toes. Yeah, that I had that problem with my Reeboks as well. I I think I wore them for a Warrior Dash, and then that was it. <laughs> and then um, I had a similar problem with my Salomons too. Was the sand kind of collecting in the shoe, and the Salomons were I think heavier than the Reeboks. But then ever since I made the switch, I I made the switch to Ultra and. I use Ultra for road and trail, and it's pretty much my go-to shoe. I don't think I have any other brands anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely interested in trying out some Ultras once, I don't know, if the Merrells are doing me so well, I don't see any reason for buying a pair of Ultras yet, but I know I hear the good things about the OCR version. The what are they King, called? Do you King know? MTs. So I had the first version of the King MTs, <clears throat> and... Kind of the same thing with the Reeboks I noticed my my shoes were getting worn at the same spot. And after Asheville, I came away with a giant hole in my shoe. And it was exactly where my previous pair had gotten a, a hole. So I emailed them and I took a picture of it. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of an ongoing issue. And they were very receptive about it. They were like, thanks for your feedback. You know, we always try to improve um, upon our models and everything so they came out with the new model the king mt 1.5s and they put reinforcements where exactly where i showed them which was pretty impressive because like you know you never you never think that you're gonna see your improvements right away and uh whenever whenever i got my new model in i haven't taken them on a course yet but i'm like itching to really bad <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> the grip on my King MTs was insane and they're super lightweight and like I wore them all day for all my endurance events and I had no problems, no issues. Nice. Are you going to bring those down to toughest south? Oh, for sure. <laughs> also, if going back to the Woe Racing thing, so he's sponsored by Ultra. So and at a couple of his events, if you wanted to try out their shoes, they'll let you run the course or run the race in their shoes just to see how you like them. They seem to be really good about that. I've actually done a local just, you know, day of trail running for uh, training where somebody that was a representative brought out a set of shoes, you know, a, a big group of shoes, and you could just find the ones you wanted to try and try them on and do the trail, come back, take them off, and go about your business. Yeah, definitely. If there's if there's a group run wherever you're at and there's a ultra tech rep there with a whole bunch of shoes to try on i would definitely take advantage of it just because i love my shoes a lot 
<laughs> I have like four pairs of one model, <laughs> so it's a little out of control. <laughs> Well, the rest of the information that we've got to, to talk about today, I want to try and get some kind of organization to it. And I don't know if I've got it down yet, but I feel like we can start off with, let's talk about some different races that we've either heard about or that we know are, are happening. So I want to start off talking about something that I saw posted, uh, a race in Ohio. Now, we talked about a race in Ohio before, but this is a different one called Nightmare Challenge which actually sounds similar because that one had a zombie nighttime <laughs> version of that race. Yeah. Uh, but this is Nightmare Challenge. It's in Ohio on August 4th in Nashport. And the neat thing that I saw about this race is that they claim to have Ohio's toughest obstacle, and it's called the Main Green. And I watched the videos on it, and they showed some rings to balls, which look like baseballs, I believe, and then to straight pipes, like hanging pipes you know, long ones, and then to playground swings at the very, <laughs> very end of it. Those vertical Like pipes. you think of those really flimsy. Yeah, the swings at the, <laughs> at the playground. Yeah, I've, I've noticed I've been seeing that a lot more, like where you have to, like even at Sky Zone on their little ninja warrior or whatever course that they've started doing in some of their locations, they have playground swings that you just, you have to, <laughs> you know, walk across them and they're really hmm. flimsy. So I've, I've, I have been seeing that a lot. And then this um, this ninja gym that we went to this past weekend for a workout, they had that in their little rig as well. So that's pretty interesting. But those vertical pipes are my nemesis. I don't like those at all. <laughs> yeah, they're they're tough. They really do take a lot of grip and upper body strength. Definitely. Like it's tough to get a, a, a wrap with your feet that's going to actually hold you yeah. up. Yeah. Are they vertical pipes like straight up and down that you have to? Yeah, straight up and down, long. So you you know they're body length. So it's not like the the hanging pipes that are just like right. maybe a foot long, just hanging from a. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. These these are the long ones that anybody that was at the U.S. Championship race down by San Antonio last year, the Battle Frog rig had some of those. Usually, you might see one of those on a rig, and it's easy to just kind of swing past it if you got rings on both sides that's what i usually try to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a group of like four or five in a row so you really do have to to go after them but we actually had a a, uh, a listener chris cusick submit a question asking he submitted a couple of questions but one of the questions he had was techniques for conquering slippery grip strength obstacles and this is definitely one of those now, when it comes to it being dry out, I know for myself, if it is actually dry, like dry, dry, you know, not a humid air, I can grab something, and if my hands are dry, they will, they will be near slick. So I'll actually spit in my hand and rub it together to make some kind of stickiness, or grab some dirt that might have a little bit of moisture in it, and that actually helps me out a lot. I know I did that at the terrain race on that uh, on that rig they had. Do you, have you ever come across having to do anything specific to help you get a better grip? Yeah, I I do the I do the dirt thing, especially on the rope climbs. Yeah, on the rope climbs, even if they're you know muddy and torn up because they've had hundreds of racers come through, I usually like those hay bales that they usually have sometimes or even just the ground just kind of rubbing my hands on the ground and just 
it almost dries my hands too because whenever I start sweating my hands start getting sweaty and I, I don't know the dirt kind of yeah does create a stickiness to where it's a little bit easier to grip I personally don't like using gloves I've tried them whenever I practice and I hate it that's my personal opinion yeah I've never found ones that work on everything yeah. it's either it works on uh, rope or wood or metal but not all three and to me, it's just better if you're just using your bare hand. Because if you think about it, like if you're wearing gloves, then your hand has to deal with the friction against your glove as well as the friction that you need to grip whatever you're gripping. Right. But you do also have to be careful just to be mindful of what's happening as you grip and turn and twist because that's how you get tears in your hand. And then you're, you know, you're messed up even more after that. Yeah. And, oh. Torn up hands are not fun, <laughs> and it lasts for days. <laughs> so I really think that the the grippiness on your hands is a balance between the the dry air or the moist air or your sweatiness and the ground. You know, like you just got to find a way to get that balance between a slick, smooth hand and a completely wet. Yeah, hand. definitely. And if you can practice with different kinds of grips, I know Force Five and Atomic Climbing they sell. You know, they're gl- grips that you can hang off playground equipment. Something yeah. that we've done and I like to do every once in a while is set up a course that kind of mimics an obstacle course race to where you're running, you're running, you're running, and then you have to stop and do a rig and then go back to, you know, running however many however long until the next challenge. So like if you can put yourself in in and simulate those kind of situations, that's ideal. Like I like doing that. That way, you know, I know if my hands feel a certain way or if my grip feels a certain way, then I know kind of what to do. Once you get the grip proficiency down, you got to work on that getting into the obstacle and getting out of the obstacle at a, a more efficient pace. Yeah, and those grip strength trainers are, like, they cost nothing. And I I carry one in my purse. (laughs) 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 And whenever, you know, I'm in traffic or I'm bored at work, sometimes I'll get on my grip strength trainer. Now, when it comes to the obstacles actually being wet and your hands being wet, I find that you just got to get stronger. Like there are, there are grip techniques. Like you'll see people go sideways on a monkey bar so that uh, one hand is actually grabbing backwards and that causes you to rotate in the opposite direction that you're going, allowing for more grip in your hand. So there are things you can do there, but for the most part, like when it comes to a straight bar, hanging bar, and it's wet, you just you, <laughs> you just got to be yeah. strong. I, actually, I've never failed the monkey bars except last year in Florida at the beginning of the year. I think it was in May. And it was kind of slightly raining at the beginning of our race and I failed the monkey bars on that one because I was just it was just too wet and mm. my hands are small and their their monkey bars are a little you know they're a little bit wider so whenever I was swinging I had a good swing going but then I slipped you know transitioning to the next bar and that's whenever I failed and I was like oh man I've never done that before if you can go to a playground with some monkey bars, maybe, well, I don't know where you get a playground and water, but like spray them down with a hose or go out in the rain, try that side to side so you get that uh, reverse grip in the front yeah. and see if that works for I'm you. I'm always hesitant to try to try it just because I'm short, <laughs> my arm span isn't as long. 
<laughs> but yeah. Well, and, and like I said, go to, you know, try it on a playground so you can just yeah. give it a shot without having to worry about your sure. placement in the race. <laughs> but uh, the Nightmare Challenge, it looked like it's just got a lot of mud. So, you know, you're probably going to have to work that balance between the mud on your hands and, and finding some dry ground <laughs> to rub it off on. But they also have a, it, it's a haunted trail. So even though it may be during the day, <laughs> I think they have people actually hiding and That's like jumping cool. out at you <laughs> as you're racing that sounds pretty fun <laughs> but yeah it's, it sounds very unique and that's one thing about smaller races especially when they're uh in a single location that they really need to have something like that that draws people in that says hey i'm different than just every other you know spartan race or we're not trying to just like be like tough mutter you know and i like that all these smaller races in the midwest are happening you know because I think we mentioned it on another episode that a lot of the times the Midwest is kind of lacking in events. I think that's part of why Conquer the Gauntlet is there because they're kind of filling a space in, you know, the Tulsa, Oklahoma kind of area uh, that there aren't many other races going out there. Yeah, and they're gaining quite the following. I really admire Conquer the Gauntlet for bringing it to the region because they're, they're finding a lot of success and they're sticking to that region. And, you know, they're kind of sticking to where they know their racers. Uh, Link Endurance actually just interviewed David Mainprize this week. We're recording on Thursday. They just released their episode earlier this week. So if you want to know more about how they got started and just how their race is organized, and David gives a lot of insight and good information about them. Yeah, I listened to that episode actually yesterday, and it, it does provide a lot of insight and they go into a lot of detail about what it takes to put on an event because a lot of people like to complain about all the fees and how <laughs> expensive it is and da 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 and these race directors are just making money but actually they're really broke <laughs> so yeah yeah he lays it out in a very understandable yeah. way yeah. for sure have you heard about endure the gauntlet i saw that on my facebook newsfeed and i I clicked through and I was reading about it on Mudrun Guide, and it looks pretty, uh, 48 hours. <laughs> I'm just, I can't get over 48 hours. Like, the 24-hour <laughs> toughest, like, I can kind of imagine what that's going to be like, but oh my goodness, 48 hours. Okay, so just to make sure that people aren't getting ahead of themselves and what they're thinking about this, like, it sounds like you might be <laughs> doing too. <laughs> Evan Preparis is going to be the one doing the 48 hours, and you're welcome to join him for that 48 hours or just for a lap of the race. So what it is, is he's going to be at Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa. It's August 25th. That weekend, they're going to do the regular Conquer the Gauntlet race, and on Sunday, they're going to do the team race. And for anybody that missed the team race last year, the one that they did, you really should check it out because they've got a cool spin to some of their team obstacles and it was a blast anyways so conquer the gauntlet tulsa evan's going to be there he's going to start friday night and he's going to start running the course at a slower pace because he's doing 48 hours he's doing this to raise money for folds of honor so folds of honor they provide scholarship money for children if their parents were killed or wounded in u.s military action so they kind of support their veterans in that way and a hundred percent of the proceeds from this 
uh, charity rate charity run goes towards this this charity. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome. So he's going to be running it. If you register to run, you can choose to run a single lap with Evan, or you can run multiple laps. But the money that you give to run gets you a buckle, because he's doing, I guess, such a long race. I guess that's why they're doing a buckle and a t-shirt. So you get those two things, and you get to run, you know, as much course as you like except for during the race on Saturday and on Sunday. So you still have to register for the Conquer the Gauntlet separately from the Endure the Gauntlet event. So if you want the medal and the shirt, the, the buckle and the shirt from that, you need to register for that. And it's not much. It's like 45 bucks. I had the idea, like it, it sounds cool, but to make it really worth it to me, I want to go out like in the middle, middle of the night. That way I'm helping... Him has some camaraderie and uh, be there for him during the harder parts of the of the race. Because during the day, there'll be a lot of people there already. So I plan on going for like the midnight loop on Friday night cool. and Saturday night. And then get up and also run Saturday and the team <laughs> race on Sunday. <laughs> so you're so doing yeah, your own gonna, endurance a, event. <laughs> not a 48 hours. Yeah, with uh, yeah. some long breaks in between. <laughs> So that one I'm pretty excited about. That sounds really cool. I like that it's going towards charity. Being, you know, my, my brother and sister are both veterans, so I always like to support that. Cool. Now, Evan is part of the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team, and I'm, I have a feeling he does a lot more with Conquer the Gauntlet on the back end, too. But it's kind of a little, a little team-up, a little mashup of people and events here. And another team-up that's happening that's really cool is Savage Race and Go Ruck are doing a team-up. I did see that. That one is really cool, too, because not very many people have gotten into the Go Ruck events, which they're really fun. They're really hard, but I've done a Go Ruck scavenger, and that was that was a blast. Yeah, and I really think Go Ruck is kind of like Spartan versus... Regular Spartan versus Hurricane Heat. Like, it's kind of, what's your thing? You know, what do you like doing more? And so if you like taking a heavy pack and kind of kind of having a challenge in that regard rather than taking your normal body weight and getting it through a course as fast as you can, taking a heavier weight the same way, you know, military personnel do whenever they're out in the field. Yeah, I like the idea of this event. So they're going to do the Savage course in Maryland on May 5th. And they're going to do it throughout the night, and they're starting at 9 p.m., and they're going to go for 10 hours. And they're going to go through the course multiple times with their ruck packs on. So I take it that means that they're going to be doing all the obstacles as well, which is pretty cool because go ruck usually doesn't involve doing monkey bars or yeah. wheel world. Or <laughs> yeah, so in, whenever you do a go ruck event, your group is led by cadre, special forces cadre. So I guess you'll be set up into small teams. Yeah, yeah so maybe I little think groups. It, I think it might be a little bit of that too, where you still have your cadre that's going to lead you and get you through the course and provide that motivation. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of overlap with OCR and rucking. So for those people that are into both of those, it sounds like right up their alley. It sounds yeah, like a really I know cool a lot event. of people that like to do Spartan races and OCR also like to do these events because they're i mean they're really good training events especially if you want to get into doing hurricane mm-hmm. heats or those longer endurance events or you know if you just want training 
carrying around a heavy pack for extended periods of time, you know? Yeah, a lot of that time on your feet. I mean, that translates really well when it comes to things Definitely. like World's Toughest Motor. Now, Savage Race also had some cool news come out just the other day. Jay Flores, he's another Concord Gauntlet pro. He was doing a live stream just talking about some of the Savage Races that he's done lately. While he was doing his live stream, one of the guys from Savage Race actually put out a comment on his live stream and said, You heard it here first. The Savage Race's first Blitz Pro Wave is going to be in Florida in November. So that's that's pretty exciting that we'll get to see that at the end of the year. And then more than likely next year, we'll see that at all the races. Yeah, I missed that live stream, but they have a Pro Wave for their regular race course. Yeah, the five to seven mile on Saturday. To add in a Pro Wave for their 5K, that just makes sense to me. I mean, if you're going to have a 5K option. Yeah, and when they first announced the Blitz pro, the Blitz Wave, that's what everybody was saying. Please give us this. And they, I think they just wanted to make sure they have all the details worked out before they did that and added that competitive part in. But that's cool to know that, that they've got it coming already. Yeah, I like that... Um, a lot of these, a lot of these races are offering the shorter course options, especially for people that want to be competitive in that shorter course format. Another thing that cool that came out of Savage this past week was Brociar. They were at the Savage race in Georgia, and they had some video showing the different obstacles, and they had Wheel World that had a little rope traverse at the end. So normally their Wheel, wheel World is just multiple twisting horizontal rings that you kind of have to go around you have to spin them and for to get from one to the other but they actually added a little bit of kind of like a slack rope on the end of it yeah i saw pictures of that and i remember seeing pictures of wheel world i did notice that they added that rope traverse yeah and it's kind of set up higher so you still have to reach up up there after you're off the last wheel transitioning to the end because you're right there at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to change up that obstacle for people that are used to the way it was. Hopefully we'll see that out here in Dallas. Uh, they also had Twirly Bird, which is one of their harder obstacles with the bungee cord kind of ropes in the middle of rings. They had it over water this time. So that was a new twist on that one as well. Was it last year just a rig? Just set up as a rig? Yeah, just over the ground. Yeah, I'm... Um- I'm doing my first Savage Race this year. I'm officially signed up. I was supposed to go to Houston in a couple weeks, but I had to defer to Dallas later on in the year. But I'm I'm really excited okay, about awesome. it. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you should have a good chance of uh, you know being towards the top. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you have such faith in me. <laughs> All right, now this next race you actually posted about. So go ahead and tell tell me about it. Chardonna is OCR race in Italy is actually a race that is being put on by the U.S. OCR Federation, the World OCR Federation. The the World yeah the OCR the, or the, the World OCR Federation. But I don't know if everyone remembers last year whenever they had the U.S. OCR Championships that. Like Robert Killian went to. Was that a Spartan to, race, right? Um, no, it was completely separate. It was right, but it was on a Spartan race course. Right, like right, right. Happened, like, yeah, because I think it was in Miami, I believe, or Florida. They had the the little laser gun and all that. Yeah. So basically, the top 
finishers from that qualified to go to this training at the Olympic facility in Colorado and basically maybe hope to be picked for Team USA to compete at this world challenge. And it's cool. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a race that's being put on by that federation because I know in the last episode we were talking about, you know, the American OCR um, association and the different groups that are kind of banding together. And this one is the world federation that kind of, um, encompasses a lot of different countries, but it's being held in Italy. And it looks like the people from that have been picked for team USA. I was kind of looking them up because I was kind of curious because, you know, sometimes you just never hear certain names because they might just stick to their region, but it looks like it's a couple people from nor'easter ocr that are pretty legit so Hmm. i'm gonna be really interested to see how they do on that course i think it's a 15 to 20 kilometer course too so it's quite a bit yeah it's quite a bit longer than our courses (laughs) it's probably like a beast length course i would say closer to it so it's gonna be interesting cool hopefully they'll have more information as it gets closer and as it happens so we can keep up the date with how it actually turned out yeah so do you know what time of the year it is it is april 14th so it's coming up in a couple weeks in sardinia italy yeah so the team is made up of those who qualified at the usa ocr national championships in miami and they are Kristen mullen cassandra omen Ben, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, Didina, and Jared Foreman. I'm sorry if I <laughs> mispronounced the last name, but good luck to you guys, and I know they're going to represent pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations to them for, for getting out there and doing that. How about the uh, Spartan H3X? Is that how you, you say it, or is there... Yeah, it's the H3X. So whenever Spartan came out with their calendar of endurance events where their hurricane heats were going to be. I kept seeing this H3X event. It kind of it kind of intrigued me because I'm like, I've never heard of an H3X event. Like, they've never announced anything. It's, what is it? <laughs> so this H3X event is pretty much going to be a hurricane heat, but instead of a single event on one date, it's all hurricane heat lengths. So there's a four-hour, a 12-hour, and a, wait, a four-hour, six-hour, and a 12-hour, I think, hurricane heats. Or is it four, 12, and 24? Four, 12, and 24. <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's basically all of those, all of those put together. And Are they going to be back-to-back? No, they're not going to be back-to-back. It's, it's, I think it's just going to be one long event. But the thing about this is that it's going to be happening simultaneously in different countries. So they're going to have one going on in Pacifico, which I think that's on the West Coast here in the United States. They're going to have it going on in Greece, Mexico, Vermont, and the Philippines. They're basically going to start at the same time in whatever time zone they're in, but they're going to start at the same time and it's going to all happen all at once. That's cool. It's like a new level of camaraderie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even though you're, you know, you're participating worlds away. You're going to have a whole bunch of people doing the same thing that you're trying to accomplish. Or if they're going to get them all to try and jump at the same time. <laughs> See if we can <laughs> move the world. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool because over here, 
I know I have family in the Philippines and they're 24, 25 hours ahead of us. So <laughs> that's gonna be pretty interesting as far as the time zones go, because I'm sure they're gonna be starting in some odd hours, but I haven't found yet what, what time exactly it's going to start or what date. So if anybody has that information, I'd love that information <laughs> because I just found out about this and it sounds, it sounds really interesting. How many hours ahead can they really be? Because they can't be 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> ahead, right? Right. Um, I, you know, I actually think it's 15. Maybe good 15 or I so? I think it's 15. Yeah. This coming weekend is Tough Mudder in Miami, and they're going to have the live stream with Matt B. Davis on there, and they're going to be doing it for the entire weekend. And so they're going to be doing it for Tough Mudder X as well. So they're going to be doing it not only for the competitive wave of tougher, but also the regular full and covering the people in the half. And supposedly it's supposed to be an all weekend kind of live stream, which sounds pretty cool. But this past weekend had a little bit of live stream on both Spartan and Tough Mudder. Did you get to catch either of those? I caught very short clips of it whenever I could. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised with some of the Spartan live stream stuff. First off, that race was pretty intense. Like, I mean, some crazy climbs that they had. Ryan Woods just took that thing home. I mean, he just went out the gate and left even Robert Killian with, I believe, Ryan Kent coming in second because I guess he's just been working really hard, too. But the live stream got better, I think, more as a production. They didn't have so many of those Spartan commercials that played over and over. Where it's like, I am a Spartan, and then they show some people close face up that they showed a lot last year. Like, every time there would have been a regular commercial, they showed that. But in this t this one, they ended up showing flashbacks to last season and talking about how everybody performed and who do you expect to see and kind of showed some of the different races and some of the different results. So that was really cool. It fit in better than a commercial, but also better than what they were doing last year. I like that because then you get to know the racers. I know whenever Spartan featured Hobie Cole and I liked how they went over his life and what brought him into Spartan racing and everything like that because it, it just it lets you know these athletes and it kind of makes them more personal because you know they're they're just regular people too with day jobs as well. <laughs> and when you follow them from season to season it gets even more, you know, the same way people follow any other sport, football and basketball, baseball. Yeah, you see the progression. Yeah, people get interested into their favorite pros. You see, you might see, you know, some names that are starting to pop up that might be on the lookout for in the future. And I know I was listening to Richard Diaz's podcast this past weekend. He was talking about the San Jose race and how a lot of people probably underestimated how hard that that race was going to be <laughs> because I heard the climbs were just brutal. Yeah, they were saying it had a lot of those false peaks. So you think you're at the top and then it looks flat, but it's really still uphill and it just keeps yeah. going. And then next thing you know, there's another climb. Oh, those right are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> those are the worst. Reminds me of Tahoe. Yes, it does remind me of Tahoe and Asheville last year too. Yeah, those are the worst. I think Asheville, that was the bucket carry. <laughs> now, some of the things I didn't care for with the live stream was after the men went out, they did something you know, they showed some of the first obstacles and then they got to a point where the, I guess they had no more cameras on them. And then after the women went out, 
and got to the same point, they didn't have, it was like a good 10 minutes of not showing any athletes at all. So they just didn't have cameras set up or cameras available on the back middle, you know, the middle portion of the course, because of course it goes far out and comes back. But it really left a huge gap of time where they just sat there and talked about whatever. And it was just like, come on, show us some who's in the lead. Show us where they are. Show us some action. (laughs) They did have at one point finally a picture in picture, but it ended up showing like the exact same shot. (laughs) So (laughs) it really just seemed like they didn't utilize that as well as they could. So they still got some places to to work on that but uh, overall i think it was you know they're they're still in the going on the right track i believe yeah i think you said that 10 minutes of there was just like no action going on whatsoever and i think that is where maybe tough mutter has it has a good idea where they're featuring the open class racers because then you get to see you know all, what all the regular joes <laughs> do at the races you know and kind of get a feel for that you know you have the elites and you're you want to follow them and see who's in the lead and everything like that but like you said whenever they're on that back part of the course and you can't really follow them mile by mile I think that would be a good opportunity to kind of feature a lot of the open class racers or or maybe even the competitive racers but you know all the all the regular people (laughs) that aren't elites (laughs) Yeah, and last year, I think Tough Mudder actually did a really good job of covering the entire course, even though they had 10-mile courses. Now, this year, if they do stick to the two five-mile loops, then it should be even easier to cover all of it. But they didn't seem to have an issue with it last year. But this week, past weekend, they did have issues with that with the TMX course. Now, they didn't have a full crew out there. They were filming, it looked like, for CBS but they didn't have the the normal live stream that they did last year. E-Rock was out there with somebody with a phone, and he just covered the finals. But we did get to see a lot of coverage come from Overcome and Run. Jay and Heather Bodie were both there. One of them was filming uh, the beginning, live streaming on Facebook, and the other one was live streaming on Instagram, showing the back half of the course. Actually showing the middle of the course. So Heather was at the front and the end, the beginning and the end. And Jay was in the middle of the course filming. Yeah, there. I definitely followed their streams a lot better than I followed Tough Mudders because I felt like I got a lot more out of out of theirs. Like I got more a lot more, you know, course action, and I felt like I knew what was going on instead of bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know how you watched it, but I actually, you know, you obviously you're watching it on Facebook Live, but I did a couple of tricks. I had on one TV where I was able to pull up the Facebook app on on my Amazon Fire Stick and I was able to pull up the Facebook video app and view the live footage there. And then on the other TV, when I decided to go switch it to the living room, I actually used my Steam link to do a remote session from my, my computer. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was kind of casting it onto the the big TV. Being all technical. <laughs> Typically <Yeah>. fancy. <laughs> but I'm not that tech savvy. <laughs> it is fun, though, just having it on the TV like most people would with football on a Sunday. Right, having multiple TVs. And OCR on there instead. <laughs> like, like you're at a, a sports bar or something, and you have like five TVs <laughs> on different different stations showing the same event. 
Now, one more thing that Tough Mudder could have done better is that they sent out an email saying that the stream was going to start at, at 12 Eastern, and it didn't. They didn't actually start the stream until they did the uh, the finals. So that was kind of a... We, I think multiple people were in my shoes were like, where's the stream? Where's the stream? And then finally we found Overcome and Run, and then we started watching that and telling everybody else, oh, go watch this instead. I remember that because it was after we ran that 5K this weekend, and I was like, oh, we're going to be able to catch Tough Mudder's live stream. And then there was nothing. It was it was kind of a huge disappointment because I'm like, yes, I get to actually like watch it. <laughs> but no, yeah, <laughs> not so much. But thank you to Overcome and Run for... For covering that that was really awesome yeah they did they did fantastic now speaking of live streaming ocrm they have been lighting up the facebook pages with the announcements that they're going to be live streaming at a frontline ocr event on may 19th so really interested to see what kind of quality and professionalism they bring to it so are they going to you know, be as good of, as what Spartan's done so far or Tough Mudder or something completely different. So that's yet to be seen, but it's kind of exciting to hear something else happening. With them trying to be the hub of everything OCR, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they kind of make it their own versus using other other formats that other races are using. The last thing... If you didn't hear about this, I don't know where you were, but on April Fool's Day, on April 1st, a story came out from Obstacle Dominator. It was just Benny Gifford talking to someone who he claimed was the uh, new CEO of Battlefrog. <laughs> and, and them saying that Battlefrog was coming back and had all these goofy things that they were going to do, like a food channel for yeah. fitness food and stuff. And it's funny because I saw that pop up on my podcast and i was like wait what and I w it looked legit <laughs> that was why i clicked on it and i wanted to listen to it and it started out at first is this really a thing like you're you're second guessing it like this is really a thing like this is actually happening but then the further you get into it you're like oh wait no <laughs> they definitely fooled oh, some yeah. people for sure oh my gosh that was that was amazing. <laughs> that was probably one of the best April Fool's pranks ever. Uh, so the thing I learned, and I think it's, uh, you know, as an adult, something we should all know by now anyways, on April 1st, if there's any big news, it's not real. Especially if it's involving Battle Frog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nobody in their right mind announces big news on April 1st because, yeah, nobody's going to believe you or, yeah, you, yeah, just don't do it. <laughs> The, the funny thing is, though, Tough Mudder, they announced that they were going to do a baby puppy mudder, but they did it a few days before April 1st, and then on April 1st, they said, April Fools, it was just a joke, and, and then it's just everybody's <laughs> like, no duh, it's basically the same video you posted two, three years ago. Yeah, I saw that email, too, I was like, eh, kind of fell flat. I was like, mm, nah. Yeah. <laughs> but Obstacle Dominator and Benny Giver, that was amazing. <laughs> All right, well, we covered a lot of stuff. I, I think I'm out of things to talk about right now. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things coming, too. So there will definitely not be a shortage of content. Yeah, I'll be watching the Tough Mudder uh, live stream stuff this weekend. And then the next weekend is a kids race for, for my daughter. That's awesome. She's going to have so much fun. But everybody that's out there listening, thank you for listening. 
Don't forget to check out the Facebook page and join in on the conversation. Any of the topics that we talked about, if you got something to say about them, let's hear it. Do you have a race this weekend? I do. I have a trail, another tra- well racing trail race <laughs> this Saturday. Yes, Saturday. So it's another 12 miler. <laughs> All right. So look out for Anna to post some uh, some pictures from the trail race on Instagram this weekend. Definitely, I will. All right. Thanks again, everybody, and don't forget to follow, listen, and talk. Thanks, y'all. Say hello. No. Bye.